All right. Bless you all. Bless those who are running in the marathon. Keep them healthy. Would you join with me in a word of prayer as we jump into the message? Father, we thank You for Your grace, Your goodness, that You have provided access into the Holy of Holies through the blood of Your Son, the Lord Jesus. And You've given us Your Word to teach us Your truth. Lord, to lead us in all truth by Your Holy Spirit. So just pray this morning that I'd be able to communicate what You put on my heart in a way that makes sense, that that really uh, 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 enables us to, to live as You've called us to live. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> I'm going to be talking out of John chapter 8. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But uh, this is the beginning of a uh, series on family life and uh, the whole uh, uh, having a healthy family life is, is the name of the series for this month. I'm going to be touching on five different topics that directly affect our, our health as a family. And the five topics are truth and tr- talk or communication, trust, uh, touch, and then time. <clears throat> One thing I want to be real clear about is that I don't consider my personal family as perfect examples. You know, uh, it's not out of being perfect or out of my own expertise that I'm sharing. If that's all I came to offer you, I would recommend that you go to another church. I come uh, hopefully representing the Word of God and what I find in the Bible and uh, augmented or or supplemented with or understood through the difficult struggles that I've gone through. And so what you're hearing is is my personal uh, stuff I've learned personally uh, and stuff I've received from God's Word. Does that make sense? And uh, there's no expectation. In fact, if you... If you were to pop the hood and look inside my family, uh, you know what the pop the hood means? You know, look under the hood. <laughs> uh, you'd find out that my family is probably a lot like yours. And you would not believe how many times people have come to me and said, you know, some issue comes up. Often it happens at weddings and funerals uh, where people are trying to explain various family relationships and they... It's so many times you'll go, well, our, our family's really like a, a soap opera. I'm like, yeah, everybody's family's like a soap opera, Cause, including ours. You know, because they're, well, you got to watch out for aunt so-and-so because, you know, I'm like, yeah, uh, you know, or if they're going into some, it's, all families are like soap operas, you know. Everybody thinks, you know, their family is abnormal because all they see is how, you know, how normal other people's families are. But the reality is it's just because you don't see the details. You know, you only know part. And uh, it's the human condition. That's why God gives us hope. And He's given us instruction. And He's given us uh, truth and, and, and hope through the Scripture. <clears throat> I just want to start with a quick story. I remember, uh, uh, in fact, we were just talking about this uh, the other day with some friends that were over. And uh, one of the <clears throat> meals that Kathy made for, for me as we were newlyweds, uh, I don't know how, you know, we've probably been married less than a year. It's probably six months, yeah, a few months. And <laughs> I was I was working and it didn't take long. Huh? <laughs> but uh, I worked all day and I was a young guy, you know, I was in my early 20s and uh, come home from work and she's all happy because she's cooked a meal, right? 
And she's prepared this meal for me. So I'm like, wow, she's cooked a meal. This is going to be great. And I sit down and she brings out the meal and she sets in front of me a single baked potato. Okay. (laughs) Which, you know, as baked potatoes are, I don't really care for baked potatoes that much to begin with. And that was all there was. And she was happy. Like, exuberant. Like, Ta-da! And sat down. And so her expectation was, I've, I've baked a meal. And my, and my, she was in her early 20s. And, and my reaction was, what, what is this? What's supper? I'm like, supper? That's a side dish. Where's the main dish? You know, what, what, just a potato? <laughs> you know, I actually got up and went to the kitchen and grabbed something out of the fridge and cooked a hamburger or something. I don't know what I did. <clears throat> and uh, But uh, that, her expectation, my reaction, actually led to consequences. You know, I just came up just a couple of years ago. I actually said, I, I asked her forgiveness for not being thankful for the baked potato. You know, and, uh, you know, things like that can affect our, our relationships within our marriage. You know, but the illustration was, uh, um, and how I tie it into this message is, today we're going to be talking about truth. And truth, in my, in my understanding, is, is really the main course in a healthy family diet. It's, it's the substance. It's the protein. It's the indispensable part. Uh, it's it's the uh, part uh, of the makeup of the family <clears throat> that you can't live without. Uh, you, you won't have a healthy family if you lack in the area of truth. So uh, really, John chapter 8 <clears throat> is a chapter that discusses uh, truth. And it's Jesus talking about truth. And when the storms of life hit, when, when disaster or difficult times come upon you and your family... Uh, you need a place to hide, and that place is truth. You, know, you need to, to hide within truth. You need to be able to have something, a, a bulwark, a, a stronghold that you can hide within, things that you know to be true, regardless of the intensity of the circumstances you're going through. And what that is, is truth. So I'm going to talk quickly, hopefully this morning, and get through six facts about truth from John 8. Right. So turn to John 8, or they're going to put it up here. I'm going to actually turn to it. I can't see. Where's my glasses at? I got them. There we go. And uh, we're going to begin in uh, verse 20. I'm going to read uh, uh, verse 20 through 25 from the New King James. It says, These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as He taught in the temple, and no one had laid hands on Him. For his hour had not yet come. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away and you will seek me and will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sin For if you do not believe that I am He, you will die in your sins. Then they said to Him, 
Who are you? And Jesus said to them, Just what I've been saying to you from the beginning. <laughs> I'd like to see this acted out. <laughs> like maybe with the Three Stooges or something. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean that in a disrespectful way. It's like, who are you? This is what I've been saying from the beginning. I'm sorry. Jesus clearly states here of the gospel that you must believe that I am. And it's interesting that the word he is is not in the original text. He uses the the word I am, the the great I am, uh, the actual name for Jehovah. Uh, But he says it in the Greek. He says, you must believe that I am uh, or you will die in your sin. And that's the gospel, isn't it? That is the message that they must receive. Uh, and judgment and death isn't something that God will do to us. It's the consequence of the condition that we're already in. It's very important to understand that. And Jesus offers us rescue from that through belief. And so when the Jews asked, who are you? It was a valid question. It may have been put, who do you think you are? But the, the, they were really asking, who are you? And, and they didn't get it. And that's really the core identity. Uh, they were talking about, uh, what's your identity? And that's what Jesus, Jesus actually affirmed their question. He says, that's what I've been talking, that's what I've been communicating to you from the beginning. I've been talking, I've been trying to tell you who I am. And so Jesus, uh, this question is, is Jesus' main point. That uh, it is His identity. And identity is where you're coming from and where your destination is. Think of it that way. Alright? Jesus says that I'm not from this world and I'm going somewhere that you can't go. So He defines His, his origin and His destiny. Right? And then he said, and they, he refers to them and says, you're from this world and you're going to die in sin. So he defines their origin and their destiny. For Jesus, this was the main point. His identity and their identity. He'd been communicating it all, all along. Why? Because it's through understanding and believing in who he is is how we're rescued from the sinful condition that brings us to death and changes our destiny from uh, sin and death to heaven eternally with Him. So the, the first fact about truth is that truth is about personal identity. Truth is about personal identity. In this sense, <clears throat> uh, truth in this sense must be personal. Okay, bear with me here. And I hope that, I hope, I hope you're saying, wait a minute, he's coming at this from a different, uh, direction than you expect. Uh, but this is what I see from scripture. Jesus is a person, right? Jesus is the truth, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me, no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the, a person, Jesus is the truth. Therefore, truth is personal. Does that make sense? It has to do with a person. 
Truth has to be personal or else it's meaningless. You can, you know, it's, it's facts are impersonal. Truth is personal. Alright? Facts can be hard and cold. But truth includes the whole of someone and something and the condition of someone. And Jesus says, I am the truth. And He means that in a very personal way. And therefore, to understand truth is not some scientific understanding of facts, but knowing a person. And therefore, truth is personal. And uh, <clears throat> if it's not, then it's, then it's meaningless. It doesn't have substance. And I was thinking, well, how does this apply to our personal uh, family life? Well, of course, we need to know Jesus as a person. We need to know truth on that personal level of, of Jesus uh, living within us and, and knowing Christ and who He is and what He represents as the truth. But we also need to represent that or bring Christ the truth in this personal way into our family. And we need to know the truth about uh, who we are. Personal truth is about our identity, about our character, our, our level of honesty, our lifestyle choices, our character, our, our integrity. Alright? Uh, it's personal. And it's about knowing your family members in that same way. Uh, knowing their, their true identity. Knowing who they really are. Alright? And treating them as they are in Christ. In their new identity, if they're believers. Treat them, treat them, uh, through the eyes of Christ. Through the, you know, see them through blood-stained, uh, glasses, as it were. Alright? Through the grace of Christ. Treat, treat each and every one, um, uh, in their new identity. When they deserve it, and probably more importantly, when they don't. In other words, when they behave in a way contrary to who they really are, you, Treat them personally consistent with their true identity and consistent with your true identity, which is your renewed creature in Christ. Does that make sense? Alright? <clears throat> you speak over those, you speak over your family, over each person, uh, according to that truth. Um, and according to, uh, uh, words that are consistent with the godly inheritance that they have through faith in Christ, and you don't allow yourself to speak in agreement with the father of lies. You know, there's two fathers represented in the Bible. There's God the Father, and then there's Father of lies. And here Jesus said that you're of your father the devil. Right? And we need to recognize that our Father is, is a heavenly Father and He's pure and good and that we have that identity. Okay, jump, going to point number two. Uh, John chapter 8, verse 26 to 30. says, I have many things to say, uh, Jesus says, and to judge concerning you. But He who sent Me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from Him. They did not understand that He spoke to them of the Father. Then Jesus said to them, when you, lift me, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He. And I do nothing of Myself. But as My Father taught Me, I speak these things. And He who sent Me is with Me. 
The Father has not left me alone, for I always do the things that please Him. As He spoke these words, many believed. Now it says here that uh, you know, um, when Jesus says, uh, uh, I have many things to say uh, to, and to judge concerning you, but He who sent me is true, and I speak to the world those things which I heard from Him. And then John uh, fills in and says, they did not understand that He spoke to them of the Father. I love how John explains who Jesus is talking about. Because the Jews that were listening to Him didn't get it. And John wants us to get it. And God wants us to get it. That He was speaking of our Heavenly Father. And this selfless lifestyle that Jesus is talking about is ultimately expressed. He says, when you lift Me up, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you'll see that I do nothing of Myself. And the cross, being crucified on the cross, when He died on the cross, that's the ultimate expression of doing nothing of Himself. He didn't accomplish. I mean, there He was, hanging helpless on the cross. Completely vulnerable. He says that is the depiction of doing nothing. Then you'll see what I mean. That I, I'm not doing this of myself. I'm doing this to represent. I'm doing this because this is, this is what my Father taught me. This is the character and nature of the Father revealed. And so I love how this chapter that deals with truth, Jesus um, explains truth uh, in the context of a loving family relationship. All right? You cannot remove this from our understanding of truth. Jesus is talking about truth. The whole context of this chapter is truth. But He demonstrates it, or he, he explains it, in that He is living as His Father taught Him. He says, I'm never alone. I'm always pleasing the Father. This is the truth that Christ represents. And the word please means to be agreeable, to be fitting, to be in agreement, uh, to be what, what is desired. And so Jesus was always in agreement. You know, it wasn't like they were not, they didn't have contrary. So many people misunderstand the Father, thinking that the Father wants to punish and judge, and Jesus kind of stands in the way and takes the hit for us. And that's so, uh, that's so not true, alright? Jesus is representing the Father on the cross. He, he is. He says, I and the Father are one. Alright? <clears throat> and so, fact number two about truth is that it's about relationship. Truth is about relationship. Jesus was right, in right relationship with the Father. And He was the truth. Okay? Therefore, truth is relational in that it's dependent upon being in right relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ, His Son. Alright? And this is why relativism, and I talked about this uh, 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 a few months back, it has some power. Because they twist this just a little bit. And, and they say truth is, is relative. You know, depending on who you are. I mean, no, it's not relative. It's, it's, it's actually more about who you're related to. Alright? Because if you're not related to, if it's not relational, you cannot understand truth apart from relationship. 
Apart from relationship, you can have all the facts, but you will not understand the truth. Because at the core of the universe is a father and a son that are in love with one another. Okay? And the son uh, it does what his father uh, desires. And his father only desires the best for his son. And the Holy Spirit is there helping it all work together. Alright? And they're all lifting one another up. That's truth that we're invited into. So truth uh, is about relationship. And, that relate, and we understand the truth uh, through that relationship. <clears throat> now, applying this in our home, one, we need to have that solid in our lives. Otherwise, circumstances and experiences will come and try to batter that down and make you think that, you know what, Jesus, you know, the Bible's great, but I don't think it, can, I don't think it really is meaningful for what I'm going through. You know, what I'm experiencing is, is too painful. And you hold the Bible up as some idealistic uh, uh, guidebook that doesn't apply anymore. I'm like, that's not the Bible I read. The Bible's full of trauma and tragedy. And through it all, God walks with the individuals. <clears throat> How do you apply this and <clears throat> in your relationship? How do you bring this home? You know, one thing is, I think that if truth is relationship, if truth is about being in right relationship, then it's not, then, then what's important is not being right, but being in right relationship. Get it? Not proving you're right, but proving you're in right relationship with one another. Proving in the sense of reinforcing and demonstrating that type of proof that you're in right relationship with your spouse, right relationship with your children, with your parents, with your siblings. Not just proving your point or getting your way. Because Jesus set the example. And, and, and Aaron shared uh, that, pulled that out in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but thine be done. Why? Because He was in right relationship. He's... He's demonstrating for us what right family relationship should look like. That we're willing to die to be in right relationship. And that God was willing to suffer death to be in right relationship with you and I. And we should be equally willing to suffer whatever it takes to be in right relationship with those that we call our family. Right? This is reflecting or representing the character of the Father and the Son in our families. Right? Again, this is the meat. So this may take some time to digest and work it out and apply it in your family life. And we're going to talk about some more uh, specifics and, and, uh, and practical steps in the other weeks because we take these truths and apply them into different areas of our lives. But if you don't have this truth solid within you, then you don't understand the reasoning why we are to live selfless lives in order to be, fulfill our commitment to our spouse or our children or children to the parents. Because Jesus lived a selfless life. Because truth, real meaning, is about relationship. And it's personal. It's not just knowing some facts. Amen? Number three and four. We're going to keep going. This is the famous verse on truth. 
John 8, 31, 32. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed Him, He says, If you abide in My Word, you are My disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And this word abide means to remain. It actually means to not leave. (laughs) If you don't go, if you don't leave, if you don't depart, if you stay... It also means that to live in. It's your abode. You, you live in. It's your house. You live in His Word. And so Christ uh, is emphasizing the importance of staying faithful to His teaching and His Word. And of course, He is uh, God. And so it's all of God's Word. It's, it's what we call the Bible. Alright? It's what we call the Bible. And so fact number three about truth is that truth is revealed in God's Word. In another place, Jesus says it really clearly. In John 17, 17, He says, Sanctify them. This is in His his prayer to the Father. Sanctify them by Your truth. Your Word is truth. And so, I believe that truth is personal. It has to apply personally in order for it to be meaningful. And it is relational in that it has to be uh, seen or understood in the context of relationship, but I also believe that it's objective in that it's uh, uh, given to us through God's objective Word. All right? This is God's Word. It's true uh, regardless of you. <laughs> regardless of your opinion of it. Regardless of your existence. All right? And the existence and opinion of every other person on planet Earth and every other computer or every other uh, equation or every other planet or solar system or, or sun or star or neutrino or uh, <coughs> all those other little things that fly around. <laughs> right? All those things were created as part of His majesty. And truth is revealed in God's Word. And, and the second point, uh, point number four, fact number four brought out in this verse is that it makes us free. Truth is about freedom. Alright? And to know, Jesus says, if you uh, stay, if you remain in My Word, you're My disciples indeed, and you will know the truth. And it's very important for us to understand that when Jesus said the word know, it's, it's a, that word meant experientially know. And we think in our day, knowledge is academic, it's intellectual, it's information. But that's not the, the know, the type of know that, you know, you can know tons of information. You can read all the history books you want about, say, Abraham Lincoln. But if all you did is read all the information, you don't know Abraham Lincoln. You just know information about him. You've never even met him. You know? But I can, I can have very little information about someone and spend, you know, a half an hour with them and I can walk away going, I, I know them in a way that I could never know them by just reading books about them. Does that make sense? And this is the type of knowledge that Jesus is saying that you will know the truth. Uh, <clears throat> it actually means that you'll have a relationship with the truth. And this happens when we live it out. Alright? When we live it out. And living it out leads to freedom. Uh, Living out the objective Word of God. Taking what's objective and making it subjective. Making it ours. By, by, by uh, uh, allowing it to influence and steer 
our life by allowing it to uh, make the decisions that we need to decide. We decide the decisions we make are based on, on God's Word. Okay, We're submitted to it. But it's a living thing. It's, it's something that leads to freedom. Okay, it's, it's knowing, understanding, and living in agreement with the revealed nature of the Father. Right? Because truth is about relationship and, about, and it's personal. So it's, it's living not, not just objective facts. So many people look to the Bible for a list of, of what they should do or shouldn't do or, or they just want you know, orders. And, and you'll never understand the Bible that way because it's, it's written relationally because truth is relational. That's why there's so many stories about people. Right? Because that's the only way you can communicate. Truth that's relational. Are you hearing me? You know, <clears throat> it's a history book. Uh, it's not just a textbook. All right. Um, and so we need to find ways to provide a healthy portion of God's word and truth in this sense in our families. And it, and it includes reading the Bible, but I think it goes a lot further. I, I think I think your kids should see you read the Bible every day. You know. <laughs> That means you've got to read the Bible every day. <laughs> and if your kids see you do it, you, you know the best way to get your kids to read the Bible every day? Is just to read the Bible every day. And you tell them and you help them. But if they see that you're not doing it, why should they do it? Okay? <laughs> There's no way around that, right? Somebody say amen? amen. All right. It also includes um, <clears throat> more than that, talking about how biblical truth is depicted in what you what you do or what you read or what you watch, you know. And I think that uh, there's so much opportunity here to uh, take truths from Scripture and help your help uh, uh, integrate that into an, your faith understanding, whether it be some television show that you and, and your spouse or your siblings that you're watching with your kids uh, say, well, how does that really reflect? You know, and there's some... I do this. Don't I do this? We do this. I'm like, there'll be something. I'm like, you know what? That's just not true. You know, it's exciting, but it's not true because... Or I'll see something and I'll say, wow, that perfectly represents Jesus. Look at the hero had to die in order to save, you know, the heroine. Right, and then she kisses him, and and love brings him back to life. Wow! It's the gospel. It's the gospel. His love, love is the most. So many stories have the same storyline. Why? Because it's the storyline that that powers the universe. You know. But then there's you know the dark overlord. It's not hard to explain. <clears throat> my, kids, my kids are into Pokemon. I was talking with someone not too long, actually, a number of people. And I'm like, you know, yeah, it, it's based on uh, their little, you know, demon gods, right? But, you know, the kids know that they're not real, that this is a card game, you know? And there's good ones and there's bad ones. Wow, that's kind of like angels and demons, you know? And that there's evil forces and there's forces of good. Oh, and you interact with them. Wow, what a great opportunity to take a child game and say this, some, this is how it reflects real things in the universe. You know, I tell people we don't <coughs> uh, endorse witchcraft 
Not because we think it is powerless, but that we know that it has power. Demonic power. Alright? So, you take experiences, and this is how you incorporate truth, and you allow it to infiltrate your daily life. And you know Scripture well enough to pull out a verse and say, this is what, this is, this is what I was talking about. Um, fact number five about <clears throat> truth is found in John uh, 8, 33-42. It says, Then he answered him, um, then they answered him, uh, we are Abraham. Oh, last thing, uh, truth leads to freedom. Uh, before I move on, it, it, it's objective. We need to, to, to integrate it into our life. But it also needs to lead to freedom and not bondage. All right? And you know that you're dealing with real truth when you find your family becoming more free. All right. Fact number five, uh, found in verse 33 through 42, it says, uh, They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. Now, somehow they missed that they were currently in bondage to the Romans. <laughs> they had been in bondage to the Syrians, the Egyptians, I don't know. So, <clears throat> uh, how can you say we will be made free? <clears throat> and Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits a sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides. Again, he's talking about family relationships. So you have to understand God's truth in the context of family. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants. Jesus understood that. Jesus understood that they were Abraham's descendants. But you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have, not, what I have seen with my father. Huh, I've seen it with my father. And you do what you have seen with your father. They answered to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. And they said to him, they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. And Jesus said to them, If God were your Father, you would love Me. For I proceed forth and came, for, came from God, nor have I come of Myself, but He sent Me. So Jesus turns their earlier question, Who are you? around to who are they? Alright? What is their identity? They thought they were secure because they were Abraham's biological descendants. And Jesus understood that, but He says that's not what it's about. Alright? It's not about their DNA or our DNA that determines whether or not we're in right relationship with God. Alright? What determines that is whether we're in right relationship, whether we've accepted Christ, whether the Son has made us free. It says if the Son makes you free, then you're free indeed. Jesus offers this freedom. So fact number five is truth comes through faith not through natural or racial or cultural inheritance. All right? It's accomplished through Christ when He died on the cross. And it's demonstrated when we live in faith a lifestyle that reflects our Father's nature. Just like Jesus reflected His Father's nature and the Jews were reflecting their Father, the devil's nature. The ones He was talking to. It's actually more common in our day and with you all here 
to think you're disqualified because of your family background. Oh, if you knew how bad we were. Or if you knew how bad I am. I can never be. I'm never good enough. Alright? That's what we struggle with, don't we? They were arrogant because of their ancestral background. And we're kind of like the opposite. Probably because we're all Gentiles. Or <laughs> most of us. <laughs> you know, We know their history. And so we think we have all these things stacked against us. But Jesus says, no, it's not based on that. It's not based on that. If I make you free, if the Son makes you free, you're free indeed. <clears throat> and so we need to practice this. We need to believe this for ourselves and we need to believe this for our families. And Jesus challenged them to change their lifestyle to reflect the Father's nature. To be to live according to the nature of the Father. If you claim Abraham as your father, why aren't you living like Abraham? If you claim God as your father, hear me? So we need to develop a zero tolerance for deception and lies and non-truths in our lives and in our families. And by zero tolerance, I mean zero. I read, <clears throat> I'm going to go a little long here, but uh, just recently I was reading an article about uh, a scientific uh, study on uh, psychology and they've, uh, they, they, historically they've always thought that the decision maker in our bodies were our frontal cortex, our reasoning, our center of reasoning, <clears throat> but through a whole bunch of studies. And this was, a, this was actually an article written uh, uh, from an evolutionary point of view. Okay, so it was a, not only non-Christian, it was uh, arguing toward an evolutionary uh, uh, argument <coughs> uh, that this was the evolutionary progression. But they said, you know, they realized through all these studies that almost all decisions are not made in the frontal cortex, in our, in our reason, center of reasoning. It's actually made in, in our emotional uh, factors. The uh, emotions actually make decisions and then your mind, your, your, your reasoning is really good at coming up with uh, 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 facts and reasons to back that up. Okay? So you make a decision emotionally, and then, you, then your intellect uh, comes up with all of the reasons. So uh, the, the one sentence that I really like the scientist says is that <clears throat> our brains are, are, are fairly good scientists, but they're absolutely phenomenal lawyers. <laughs> they can they can make a case for whatever we want to do. You can argue it, <clears throat> right. but if you submit to Jesus and do what the Father says, all right, then it's like oh, I can't argue this. It's not up to argue. So you come to a, uh, you rid yourself of toxic thought patterns and life patterns that don't reflect the Father, don't reflect the nature of the Father. And when you start living your family in your family, you, you set that as the as the as the standard of your family, of your home, and it's relational, it's personal, it brings freedom. You know, it reflects the love. You'll have a healthy family. Final one, number six, from uh, verse 43 through 45. says, why do you not understand my speech? I love it. Jesus gets really down to earth. Why don't you understand what I'm saying? And then he answers it. He says, because you're not able to listen to my word. And you are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. <clears throat> See, if Jesus was a pastor, no one would go to his church. 
He would not have a megachurch, I'm telling you. <clears throat> no, I don't know. He'd be kicked out and have thousands of people listening to him on the streets. So then the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Truth, in fact, is truth requires belief. You know? They rejected, they were unable to hear the truth because they did not believe, they did not have a trust relationship with the one who was speaking the truth. They rejected the relationship and therefore forfeited their inheritance. Because he was the son, he was able to give them freedom. But because they rejected it, they weren't able to hear it because they didn't believe it. In order to benefit from truth, you have to believe. The Son makes you free, but your response must be to believe that or else you forfeit it. In Hebrews 11.3 it says, By faith we understand. We understand by faith. Faith is what gives us the ability to figure it out. Figure what out? Figure out truth. Alright, how do we apply this in our lives? <clears throat> Again, of course, we need to apply this in our relationship with God and with all things. But we also need to apply this and, and, and represent it within our relationships. Uh, by faith, we understand. By believing, we, we understand God, how the world works, and our spouse for our children. You know what? We, we actually develop a relationship of trust. And we listen to them long enough to actually understand instead of just judging them right or wrong because based on our feelings. All right? uh, when we do this, we, we open ourselves up to be vulnerable. All right? We allow them into our lives and we, we go into their lives. And we can do that even though they hurt us because we're reliant on on the Father, and we believe the promise that Jesus is going to walk with us no matter how dark the valley gets. Okay? And that walking in this truth is what brings us to ultimate freedom. So truth as the basis, as the main course uh, of a healthy family relationship, that's the starting point. Aaron, sorry I took your time. Thank you, Pastor Cameron. It was very good. I just got a few announcements to breeze through here real quickly. Um, the first of, uh, announcement is thank you all for coming. Appreciate you guys coming out and worshiping with us today. Um, the second is that 